0: Hi, this is Tim Winter. Welcome to What Would Dave Do? A digital conversation exploring the leadership experience. You can listen to it at timwinner.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to What Would Dave Do? A podcast exploring the leadership experience in uh, all things leadership really uh, today I have Michael Ewelling. and uh, he I met him through uh, the Technology Association of Oregon and uh, Mike has a really really extensive background uh, in leadership uh, he's been a CEO of uh, many companies and owner um, and I'm just excited to have him on the show I, I he has a blog and it uh, really, caught my attention uh, and we'll share that information to the audience later in the in the episode but uh, michael welcome to the show
1: thanks tim i really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you absolutely
0: how have you been since uh, i last seen, seen you <laughs>
1: <laughs> i've been really great yeah it's uh, uh the, the world is a uh, un, unlimited possibilities it's uh it's a uh, it's been really wonderful it's great
0: so, just for the for my audience' sake, just walk me through the your your background because it's really interesting.
1: Yeah, so uh, it, it's funny. Somebody asked me the exact same question the other day, and I was thinking about it. I, you know, if you go into the way back machine, um, I was in high school and had a cl- really close friend, and his father was the founder of Oil Can Henry's. And um, m- over dinner one night, I asked Marshall what his recommendation for a career would be, and he said, "Well." If you're going to be an entrepreneur, go where his advice was, go work for the biggest corporation you possibly can so that when you're, you are an entrepreneur and you guys grow and you're successful, you actually know what it looks like. And, uh, and so I sort of followed that, that, uh, that guidance and, uh, you know, started off, uh, early in my career at at very large companies, Tektronix, uh, Hewlett Packard. Um, you know, and I was at those two companies for almost 15 years. Um. And then, you know, it's one of those things, you, you go to graduate school and you think you have this perfect idea of what a job would be. Um, but I think for me, it was doing you know, that, that old mantra, be careful what you wish for, you might get it. Um, I got there and I realized, you know what, I think it's time to uh, be an entrepreneur. And, uh, and so we, uh, with a partner, uh, we bought a company. Um, I ran that company for about nine years where we ultimately sold it. Uh, along the way, we, we scratch started a software as a services company, which uh, we had, which I ran for about just under seven years. Um, and, uh, and right at the, that as that company was sort of winding down and we were in the process of selling, um, the company that we had purchased, um, it was, it was really interesting. I was sort of looking for what I wanted to do next. And, um, and a friend of mine said, take a paid vacation. <laughs> I said, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, go work for a big company again, um, which did not turn out to be a, va- a paid vacation. It was a, it was a great opportunity. An old colleague of mine uh, came and found me and said that uh, that Blunt had a division that had been struggling for several years and they needed somebody to help him out. Um, and so I, I went back into the corporate world um, and had an opportunity to, to lead the turnaround of that, of that particular group. And, um, that's kind of launched the next wave of my career. And, and so I've spent some time in some, some other sort of what I would describe as middle market companies, um, as a, as a revenue leader for a uh, Jew Cameron and then, uh, leading essential labs as well, um, as my last thing. So I've done really big companies and i've done scratch startups and uh so it's <laughs> it's sort of a meandering river of experience
0: see i love that i love that advice of go with a big company but the cynic in me says so you learn what not to do <laughs> <laughs> when <laughs> that, that's the cynic in me but i i i i you know i also say assume positive intent so i like how your friend uh said so you know what it looks like so 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 you're familiar with those waters once you're swimming in them
1: exactly exactly and and it's funny because along the way i've heard i heard people give me the opposite advice if you want to be an entrepreneur go go work for a really successful entrepreneur so it's been uh it's it's been uh it's been great i mean honestly i think that you know it's the 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 people that you put yourself in proximity to that end up shaping what you become and so i've i've always i've always tried to seek that you know the wise counsel
0: well, I think it speaks to your leadership, though, too, and, and your leadership voice that you're able to work in a large organization, and you're also able to to switch over to being an entrepreneur uh, because they're very different, right? And and not everybody's cut; they're just not they're incapable. In fact, I would say most entrepreneurs I know are incapable of working successfully within a corporation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it re- it requires a level of uh, socialization. And patience um, that I have found a lot of entrepreneurs can't that they don't like it at all. Yeah, so they don't want.
0: No, I I I also think it takes a a tremendous amount of uh, emotional intelligence uh, to just be aware, right? Like you're a smart guy you you know you know what to do when you're in a corporate office. You you're right, and I think I think sometimes entrepreneurs are just so driven by passion that, uh, you know, and that patience, uh, to your point, the patience just doesn't get them there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, So has your, has your philosophy of leadership changed over the years? I mean, how do you feel about that? Like, like what, from when you started, maybe when you were in grad school to, you know, being a CEO of a company to owning your own biz, how do you look at leadership today?
1: Yeah, I I think it's changed a lot. You know, I think um early in my career, my my f- the first team that I got a chance to lead was at HP and after doing the job for several months, I had uh <laughs> my team had an intervention. We all went out to dinner and uh they said, you know, you're we we get that you know how to do our jobs and we just really would we want you to teach us to fish, stop giving us the fish. Mm-hmm. Um and so and so that that Socratic method um you know, started to shape my career early on, but but as I've but as I've gone through further through the process, um, that that Socratic method, it, the implication is that they're sort of they have free reign once we teach them how to do this, right? And and what I've learned over time is that that most people uh, don't like to have um, a f- green fields with no fences. Um, it's, 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 it's daunting for them. Um, the way it's funny, my son, when he was little, um, the way I think of this is my son, when he was little, was afraid of grass. And so you, as a baby, you would just put him in the grass and he would just look around. He, he couldn't move. He was paralyzed by it. Um, and I think, I think most people are that way in their careers is if you give them too much freedom. Um, that they they almost are paralyzed by the by all the choices that could happen. And so from my leadership style has evolved in terms of creating an environment that has some guardrails, but but allows people to be free in how they execute inside of those guardrails. So you cr- create an ecosystem for them to succeed and then turn them loose. You don't just turn people loose into the wild and say, go get them.
0: Yeah, I I think there's a, um, (laughs) I think you can, uh, I think people think they want that. It's back to your very original point. You know, I think people think they want that until they get it and it's be careful what you wish for um, because you might get it. And I do think, I don't think people want to be put in a box, but I think, but I, but I do think, I mean, isn't that kind of the essence of leadership that you're, they know somebody has their hand on the wheel?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Right. Yeah. And and they want that. They they want they're okay driving the boat, but they want to know if the seas get rough, you're gonna take over. And I, yes. I think that's I you you use the uh the analogy of guardrails and I, I think that's good. I but I do believe because I worked for I didn't work for him, but I worked with a person. Um at one point in my career who, who had a saying of, you know, don't worry about them. I'll get them back in their box. And I used to ask him all the time, why would you want to put anybody in a box? Because I don't know anybody's human potential. I don't know. I've been surprised, right? Right. I, I have been surprised in my career where a CSR who used to work for me at the Vancouver mall, Hollywood video is now like a senior vice president at a big company and uh, in Michigan, and you just do you just never know. You, you like I, I—you don't know somebody's potential. So I used to argue with him, like, why do you want to keep them in a box? Because you're not going to see. And I don't think your suggestion a box. I think you're just su- no. suggesting guardrails. And and I love yeah. the idea of giving them free reign on execution. In fact, I would argue today. I think people want more guardrails.
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. I think that's one of the things that um, that that has changed a little bit. It's funny because I think when I was coming up, that there you know there wasn't an expectation that you were going to get helped in any way, shape, or form. I mean, it was sort of you have to. F- I, in fact, I remember the earnings call at Hewlett. My first t- uh, earnings call at HP, we were listening to Lou Platt talking, and the company fundamentally pivoted away from, we're going to guide your career to, we're going to give you resources. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) And, and that was sort of the launch pad. Right. And, And then you had to kind of figure it out on your own. And I think, and I think that's a, and I think there's a little bit different expectation now. I think people are looking for more guidance, um, especially early in their careers about you know what what things should we be focused on and and you know what what tools can I can you help provide me with that'll help me become a better leader or a better participant on the team
0: yeah i know i, I think that is so and i'm, I'm not quite sure where in that pivot because i'm more with you i remember doing an acquisition out in minneapolis and i had no business leading an acquisition um cuz i never i didn't know i didn't know But I figured it out, and that was the expectation. Well, you'll figure it out.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that was the expectation, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and and we figured it out. We did it. I I mean, you know, again, I I don't know. Probably could have done it better. Who knows? You know, I I was pretty damn successful, so I can't. I guess I can't really complain.
1: Well, well, you you figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think in today's
0: world, though, they would want a lot more um, guidance mm-hmm. on, oh, I, on executing something like that.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the time, you know, the you talk, get back to your original question about how the, how has my philosophy changed? I think, I think early in my career, I, I did it by instinct. And what I realized was over time, as I started to think about it, you know, there were some things that I was doing right. And some things that I wasn't doing right. And so I, I really made it a point to be intentional about leadership. Because I, as I looked back, I realized, hey, I, I had opportunities. People had given me opportunities to lead where I was, whether I had a team or I didn't. And I was able to succeed in those environments. How could I be more proactive as a leader to create that space for people to succeed? And, and I think that's the, the, the biggest thing I think that I would say is, you know, that my, in fact, my leadership statement is be intentional, unleash people and make a positive impact. But it starts with the be intentional thing because I think that's the that's the other piece of it where before I was sort of at the early stages I was sort of you know making it up as I went along and hoped that it worked <laughs> versus now I, I think about it a lot. like well, you know what is the context um, that we' uh, of, of what we're trying to accomplish and how does how does everybody fit into that in, into that ecosystem and, and how do we make them succeed?
0: You know, it's, it, we're not going to solve it here, uh, but it would be an interesting conversation uh, maybe for another podcast or, or maybe even a topic for your blog. But it would be an interesting, because I just had a thought, like what changed? And here's just like my mind going at thousand miles an hour real quick. But what changed between when you and I were given tasks or opportunities and we were to figure it out and we figured it out, we met with success. And today we think that there would need to be, I think what, what changed? is the lack of trust. I think that we've had a series of events that have happened where people don't trust uh, either their employer, they don't trust, they don't, tr- they're, they're, I think there's a lack of trust for a lot of reasons. And we could dig into that, but we're not going to. Uh, but I think there's a lack of trust. And so it, nobody wants to be caught. Uh, see, I see, I used to, I I, I operated without fear. And, and so I knew that I could do, like I, I didn't have fear of losing my job because right. we had a tremendous amount of, of of trust and they sent me out to do this and I didn't want to let them down yes that and it, it would be interesting to explore what really did and I'm sure there's people out there who have studied it and have thoughts on it but what what has changed why why no. what has changed i, I do, and and i'm not arguing that it was better <laughs> better back then or it's better i'm just saying it's different
1: yeah, I, I I agree with you on your comment on trust. I mean, I think it, you know, I think uh, one of the things that comes up a lot when you talk to people about leadership or or successful organizations, and people want authenticity, right? But but what they but they don't really want authenticity authenticity in the way they think, right? Because if you're going to be authentic with somebody, you're going to say good things and you're going to say bad things, right? Right. I mean, there's 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 construct there there has to be constructive criticism along with praise. And, uh, and I think that, you know, you hit on what makes authenticity successful. If, if you believe that I have your best interest at heart and trust that the feedback I'm going to give you is coming from that place, then you're going to take that that you're going to, you're going to be much more willing to be authentic. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was talking to, I actually had a conversation with another really successful entrepreneur about three weeks ago and he was talking about how he's pivoted his leadership style around that sort of trust-based authenticity and it's made all the difference in his organization and and he was he was not convinced that was the way to go before and and the more he's leaned into it he's seen he's seen his team rise up you know in in that environment where they they do trust he, they trust him and and so they are taking risks and failing fast you know, and, and also recognizing victories. And and it's a, a radically different organization as a result of what you just talked about. Trust.
0: Well, in my model of leadership, trust is the glue that holds it. There's the four pillars of leadership, right? There's there's vision, purpose, why do we exist, why are we doing what we do, communication, being authentic, being genuine, being consistent, self-positioning, our, our self-management, and then positioning. So self-management, you got to, you, you know, most people fail in that area um, because we're human and we we we're flawed. Um, as good as we are, we're flawed. And then uh, positioning, which we, we've we coined the frame position. It's really surrounding yourself with great people. And um, you, you, nobody does it alone. You have to be able to, and you have to be able to attract great. So that's the basic tenet of the, of the four mm-hmm. pillars of leadership. But what holds those four pillars together is trust. Because if you don't have the trust, you don't, you don't, it's very, it, well, it's pushing a worm up a hill.
1: Yes, it is.
0: You know, it's interesting too, Michael. I had the opportunity and I'm not going to go too into how I had the opportunity, but I had the opportunity to overhear a conversation and I ask myself all the time, like, don't they, I mean, LinkedIn is a wise leader does this. Everyone's posting. You got Simon Sinek. You've got, go to any bookstore, go to Amazon and type in leadership and it it breaks your computer with how many (laughs) books there are. And I'm like, don't people know? Like, do we need another podcast about leadership? And yesterday it was reinforced for me. I I had the opportunity to overhear a conversation between a, a leader and a company. And the gist of it is they're having an executive offsite. And they don't want to tell the rank and file because they also have a hiring freeze. And I'm like, hmm. And I, I I had the opportunity to overhear this. And I just listened. I was like, of course we need more leadership. Uh, you know, the, the trust and transparency is at the root. And if you are ashamed, if as a leader, if you're ashamed of what you're doing in your organization and you want to alter what you're calling activities, there's that's a fundamental problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's one of the, I think leadership, Tim, is one of the most undervalued skills. And I don't think people, you know, we talked earlier about intentionality. Yeah, It takes work. You can't just make it up, you know, as you go, if you, if you, if you want to be all the best leaders that I've gotten a chance to work with were what I call enlightened leaders. I mean, they, they thought about it and they talked about it, um, you know, and, and I think those are. So I think there there probably are, you know, 10 too many books out there about leadership, but I I think it's under, I think it's underappreciated.
0: Are 10 too few. I mean, again, you know, in in this world that we live in, you still have companies that lay people off via tax. I mean, you still have these things that happen. It it just really, really amazes me. I I am, I'm just, uh, you know, a lot of people out there still think leadership is position. Yes. Yeah.
1: Right?
0: Yeah. and, and, and I, Kills me. It absolutely kills me because leadership is, you know, a responsibility and a privilege. Yeah. You get a, yeah. it's a privilege well, to and, lead and, and I, people and help them grow.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and interestingly, I don't, I've never felt like it was, it was related to position. And in, in fact, you know, I, some of the most exciting things I've gotten to do in my career, I led as an individual contributor. But I got but I was right. able to bring bring a team along with me to accomplish something remarkable it It was all about influence it had nothing to do with the job title I had <laughs> you know and I think people underestimate that you know I think people really underestimate that they can make a massive impact wherever they are in an organization.
0: I had a guy years ago years and years ago, and uh I remember we were all sitting around and he's like uh. He, you know, he, he, he was trying to explain to us that he was, he had been brought into the office as a VP and, uh, he needed the S he needed the S he needed to be an SVP because he couldn't get anything done. Uh, You know, I, I, and, and he sat down and he, and he talked to the CEO and he's like, I need that S I need that S if I'm going to get things done. And, and I remember we all went out for dinner and I was sitting there thinking, (laughs) he can give you whatever alphabet you want. You're not going to be successful with the S. It's not about that. It's about your approach. And the fact that you think this is about position is is absolutely and I re- I remember trying to coach them and it was it was funny. They ended up giving them the S and um uh, they ended up putting them back out in the field like three months later because it didn't matter what title you gave them. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it was an ineffective leadership style, especially within a corporate office environment. This is a person that came from the field. And when you're coming from the field, which the field is straight line management, right? I mean, you've got, right. That's, that's the way field organizations operate. They have to. And, um, uh, that doesn't work in a corporate environment. You're too dependent on other people. You might be the senior, you might be the CEO, but you're dependent on a manager or director within the organization. And if they don't do what they need to do, it doesn't matter what your title is. You're not going to be successful. And um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how many people still in today's world still believe that leadership is position. Right. So your blog is super cool. I, I, I really appreciate you sharing it with me, but
1: how did you come up with that? What was the inspiration? Yeah. It's, it's funny. It was a whole lot of conversations like this, um, mm. you know, with, with, uh, close friends and, and colleagues, uh, professional colleagues. And, you know, we were having these conversations and and they kept saying, you know, this, you have some good ideas you should, and, and, some <laughs> heart and some hard won wisdom, <laughs> you have the, the scars, um, and, you know, just, you should share it. And so I, you know, at, at some point, yeah, you know, I think in our lives we recognize that there are more. You have more years behind you than you have years in front of you, and I just stepped to this place where I wanted to. I wanted to put it out there and and let hopefully let people learn from my mistakes and experiences. And so I just snagged the website and started putting my thoughts down. And well, uh,
0: go ahead, share it with the audience because I I think there's really good stuff in there, and I think that people should go check it out. So yeah. why, why don't you share it, Mike?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's called explore-learn-lead.com. Um and again, it's uh, it's kind of like your podcast, Tim. it's not it's not heavily edited. <laughs> but, but there's a whole but there's a whole lot of just, you know, s- sort of thoughts that have that have, that have come up, um, you know, and I've got a and I actually have a long list of things that I want to talk about, and I just never quite get to the to go through the list, but uh but yeah, it's it's leadership topics. It's, you know, the the thing that I that um one of the things that people the reason people encourage me to talk about it is is because you know there's a lot of books out there that'll that'll talk about leadership, right? Like you know you need to create a vision and you need yeah. to create a you know set expectations and you know that kind of thing and and what and what they don't do is say, hey, in this environment, do it this way. Try try implementing it using this methodology. Try doing this kind of like there's the the, the practicality, the practical application of it is sometimes missing. And um, and early in my career at HP, I was involved in this amazing uh, training opportunity called the mentoring circle. And there were, you know, senior executives running billion dollar divisions, and th- then there's little old me hanging out like, how did I even get on this list, right? Uh, I was an individual contributor. But the but the whole point of the sit of the of the group was you could pose a question to the group, but nobody could give you advice or try to create a solution. All they could do was say, I had a similar situation, and this is what I did, and this is what happened. And uh, I've I've actually used this method with my children as they were growing, getting older. Um, Instead of telling them what to do, I just said, hey, here's what I did when I was your age or I was in a situation and this is what happened. And so I've I've sort of thought the blog kind of comes from that basic premise. Like I can can share with you what I've experienced and hopefully it resonates with whatever circumstance you're in at this moment and you can take some wisdom away from it as opposed to this is how you fix it, right? Does Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's probably my biggest complaint is yeah, okay, go do this. <laughs> go network more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's great. Well, I think you're also uh, uh, awful being a little humble. I, I'll just reiterate I think it's a really good. Uh, blog. I think it's a really good, um, I think there's good information in it. I think you present well. I, I, I love the, you know, I, I will, I will always be indebted to my friend, Larry Platnick for, for giving me the advice about, you know, don't overproduce your podcast, Tim, you know, uh, it's about content. It's not about production. And I, I will, he, he gave me that advice and he's somebody that I trust deeply and, and I will always appreciate that. And I, and I think what resonated with me with your blog is just uh, how authentic it is. Mm-hmm. So well, I, thank you. I, I, yeah, I don't, I think sometimes we get, um, I call it the Kim Kardashian effect uh it's a little too much <laughs> and uh not enough content and uh-huh. uh, uh and i think that what you what you present is great um so you've worked we've had this conversation before but you've worked in, uh you've worked with senior executives and you worked with frontline workers right
1: yeah absolutely yeah,
0: yeah. And, and different right like i, I remind me did you in one of your companies, you had like hourly employees.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We had hundreds of hourly employees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So,
0: so that is a great question. So what changes in the workplace have you noticed since then to there or today? Yeah. And do you think the future, it's such a great conversation because work is changing, but what do you think the future and what have you noticed and what do you think the future of work is?
1: Well, you, you know, what's interesting is I think, um, uh, I think there's, I think, you know, this, the, the pandemic has changed what expectations are. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's this um, uh, one, I think there's a, there's just going to be more freedom from a work location perspective. Um, and, and I was lucky my time at HP. I, I mean, the teams that I worked with were almost all remote from t- for 10 years. Right. And there was no zoom uh, <laughs> you know, where you could do video It was all on the phone. Right. And I had an employee in Singapore and, you know, got people in Texas, they were all over the place. And so you had to figure out how to, how to work with people, um, in a, as remote employees. And I think that's never going to go away. And I think we as leaders, you know, that's, it, it's just a, one of, another, one of those things where you just have to be intentional. Um, you know, and, and frankly, communication is going to become critical for us. Um, even more critical for us in that environment. Uh, you know, I learned early on that, not being able to be with my remote employees really more than once or twice a year, you know, you better find a way to engage with them or they're going to disengage, right? They're they're not going to they're not going to be embedded in your culture. They're not going to feel part of the team. They're not going to feel like they are recognized for the work that they do. And so you're going to, I mean, in, in the future, I think the risk of fully remote people with no changes in leadership. Uh, you're going to create a mercenary workforce, right? I don't feel like mm-hmm. I'm part of the team because you're not actually treating me with the level of engagement and respect and authenticity that I'm expecting in this relation, in this trend, in this you know this this work environment. And so, when somebody comes along and wants to offer me five percent more money, I'm more likely to take the offer because there's nothing that holds me to your organization. And I think that's a I think that's a huge risk. For these companies that have made these decisions and haven't fundamentally changed how they're going to engage with their workforces. I think that's a big, big that, I think that's going to be a major, a major issue for these companies.
0: Yeah, on a really tactical level, but but thinking about what you know, your number one thing and being intentional. You know, yeah. you think about it, if you have a one-on-one scheduled and you're in the office and you get hung up on something, and the person comes to you and they can see you're busy they give you grace when you're sure. in a remote situation and you're late to a zoom call by, or you don't make the zoom call. That other person is on that is in that room feeling so neglected and alone. And I don't yeah. know if people realize that. So yes, it's in, absolutely in the ro- remote world in being intentional on time, being respectful are even they're amplified. They, they, you'll get more grace in a bit in an office building than you will it, because you're alone and you've in that, and it amplifies that feeling.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree with you. You, you know, the other thing that I think is going to change is, you know, with the, with the expanded use of AI. Um, I think, I think there's an expectation that, you know, you can come to work and sort of do your thing and, and leave. And I think, you know, uh, the, the big change, um, that uh, the other big change I think that's ha- going to happen is I think there, there's no substitute at this point for the creativity of humans, right? And our curiosity. But I think people are just going to have to be really open to um, using emerging tools as amplifiers for their individual gifts. And and I think if they're, if people resist that, I think there's going to be challenges, you know the, the people who don't resist it are going to thrive, and uh, the people who do resist it, I think, are going to struggle because I think it. You know, we're on this. I don't think people understand that the the uh, how pervasive this technology is going to be, um, and if you and if you view it as a threat. Um, then you know, that that resistance is gonna is will probably punish people. And you know, being willing to embrace it and recognize that it's taking their their unique gifts and making them more powerful is gonna be something that's gonna enable people to be super successful.
0: Well, and don't we already have that blueprint? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could tell you at Hollywood Entertainment, we resisted streaming because we thought people wanted the experience. We th- we resisted streaming and look how that ended. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think that the personal computer, how many co- and companies, Walmart jumped all over using technology to improve their distribution and their yeah. supply chain. And that's why when you pair socks at Walmart and three days later, it's it's restocked on the shelf. Where the average company out there is seven to ten days, but Walmart yeah. does it in three because in the 1970s they invested in in in, in infrastructure of, of technology mm-hmm. to improve, yeah. their, and and people were fearful of it, right? People had done yeah. it, oh we always do it this way, and I, I think I think we have the blueprint, and and yes, I think it's just accelerated that we must uh, embrace new technologies and
1: new things quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as leaders, I think you know back to the topic of the conversation i think as leaders i think we have to encourage people right to be and this is you know we change regardless of how it's comes at you whether it's forced because it's a, it must happen or there's a there's a thing that will enable you to to ex, um uh that will accelerate your opportunity to grow and succeed and that kind of thing uh, you know to just be always open to encouraging people to as you said they they should trust that that yep. they that they can take that risk and adopt that new behavior and 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 go for it right um because otherwise i think uh, you know i think there is that you know people get mixed messages whether you intend them to or not when, when you're when you've accepted a role as a leader uh,
0: oh and, and and i think the other part of that i think especially for new leaders i always there everything you do, people are watching. Yes. And so being intentional, that self that's where that self-management is just, that's why it's one of our pillars of, because that self-management, I always think of Bill Clinton, you know, Bill Clinton had a vision. He was a great communicator. I think he was a decent president, but that guy couldn't self-manage to save his life. Mm -hmm. And he just made so many bonehead decisions because he just couldn't self-manage. And there's lots of people. I mean, there's, you hear about it all the time. You know, some CEO making 40, $50 million a year does some boneheaded thing because they can't self-manage. Right. And, and, and as a leader, it's so important because they're watching your behavior.
1: Mm -hmm. It's funny when I had earlier, uh, one of the early years of me owning my, my first company, I remember coming into the office and, and I was having a, I was having a tough day and, you know, so I, I come in and, you know, we had hundreds of employees at this point and, and I, and I was in my head and it was nothing about any of the people in the office. And so I sort of just came in, went to my office, you know, and, and, and I came out and the office was quiet. I mean, it was crazy quiet. Uh And, and I, I realized that, that my, they saw me in, having in a mood and they adopted it. I mean, they were, they suddenly got worried that, you know, uh, well, what's going on? Why is he frustrated? What's happening? You know? And, and so it was, it, it was just, it was amazing to see it. And, and that was, you know, the, the one of the things early on that I, that exactly what you said, people are watching. Yes. Right. Um, and, and I think that's, it's really important you know to they, they want to know that their leadership is a steady hand on the tiller.
0: Absolutely. And and what we you know what we allow we approve.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yes. so 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 when in, in our, within ourselves or with anybody else and you know it can't be what's good for me is not good for you <laughs> especially in today's world. You know I think we talk about that a lot. Um you know I I, I just think about the accessibility that people have to CEOs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. through social media, through, you know, they're just more accessible than ever been. I, I mean, I, I could be honest. I mean, honest. I don't. I mean, I worked for Mark Waddles for a long time. I don't know if I ever had a cell phone number. <laughs> I, I just they they were not as accessible as they are today. You've right. worked with some amazing companies. You've done some amazing work. What are you most proud of?
1: Uh, th- that's a great question. Um, you know, I think earlier in my career, I might have said, you know, that I bought and grew and sold a company or, or you know, s- thrown out some other professional accomplishment. Um, I think in now looking back on it with a little more context, I think the thing that is the most exciting for me is that I, I believe I've left a legacy of leaders. Um, I've had a chance to work with some amazing teams. I mean, the, the team I talked about at HP that had the intervention with me you know, most of those guys have gone on to executive careers. They've done brilliant stuff. Um, You know, and we've had conversations over the years, either as friends or as, as in a mentor mentee kind of relationship. And um, that's the thing that I think I'm most proud of is that I've, that uh, I feel like I've left a legacy of leaders. I've invested in people, you know, and, um, and, uh, and I think that's, that's the thing that I'm most proud of.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's certainly a theme with you, uh, Michael, when you talk about intentionality and the things that you talk about in leadership, it's, it, you know, you are certainly uh, ahead of the curve when it comes to, you know, people first leadership and, and a response about, you know, cause that is, that is your, that is the paycheck of leadership is developing other leaders and helping people to build their, their careers so that they go out
1: and duplicate that behavior mm-hmm. I and mean, it would be such a better world right i, I don't disagree with you. you you know it's interesting tim I, I, I was thinking about this that you know i i think um people underestimate the value of just asking for help right surrounding themselves with great wise counselors and and uh, and things like that i you know my philosophy in terms of giving back to people has always has always been based on reciprocity mm-hmm. meaning I'm willing to invest in your growth and development if you want the help, but it isn't my responsibility to do 80% of the work, right? That, right. that uh, uh, you you need to meet me halfway in that transaction. If we both have skin in the game, um, it's going to work away. it's it, It's going to be great, right? It's really going to be great. And I think, you know, you were talking earlier about changes in the, in the work environment and and expectations for people and wanting more assistance more training more development opportunities you know i think i think i would say to to those people coming into the workforce or or trying to grow their careers um make sure that you understand reciprocity right you're you're it's it's going to it's going to require work on your part. You know, give you can lead the horse that old thing. Of you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Um, it doesn't matter how much we invest in you if you don't actually absorb it. If you don't actually um, apply it in your life. Um, it, it, interestingly, sorry, I, a little. No. When, when I was at, when I was at Blunt, um, they have an, they uh, now Oregon Pool. They had an amazing leadership development program called Blt Squared. And at one of the meetings, Josh Collins, the CEO at the time, great guy, um, was describing one of his mentors and his mentor described himself as a practitioner of leadership. And I, I've always, that has resonated with me ever since Josh said it, because, because it, it speaks to the work that you have to put in to be a great leader. Right. And I, I mean, I aspire to be a practitioner of leadership. I don't know that I'm always there, but, um, but, but I just love that description because it speaks to, you know, this, the, the changing workforce and, and developing leaders. It, you, it's no different than exercising at the gym, right? You, you have to actually put in the time and, and, and dig in and, and do it. Um, and I think it, and that's a, and that's a two way street circling all the way back to that reciprocity piece, right? If, if we as leaders are willing to invest and my experience, and I think yours has been that most leaders are willing to do that. Um, especially if you ask, um, but you got to be willing to accept the fact that, that accepting the gift is not, it's not free. <laughs> There's a transaction that happens in it and it's work on, on the, on behalf, on the part of the recipient, right? You know
0: what I love about the uh, practitioner leadership is it um, it completely eliminates leadership by position. Yeah, right. Because it doesn't matter what your position is, it doesn't matter what your title is, or not by position, by title. That leadership by title. If I get the S, I'll be able to get things done. No, you need to be, you know, it's, it's, it's the analogy. It's like going and buying the best exercise clothes and not going to the gym. Right. Yeah. You have to be a practitioner of leadership. I think you're onto something. I think you should coin that as your own or change it a little bit or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's an our, our, our give kudos where it goes or credit where it goes, but that's
1: exactly right. Well, I, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh Collins, for sharing your 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 mentors, uh your mentors uh title. Cause uh, yeah. it was great. It's impacted me. I can still close my eyes and see him standing in front of the group telling us that it was that impactful. I thought well, it's one of those moments where lightning strikes and you think, aha, yeah. that is actually what it is. Be a practitioner of leadership.
0: Yeah. Because it it, it just spells everything and it talks about the work because, you know, I think sometimes people get to a leadership role and they think they've arrived. Oh, no, it's just begun.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, try try managing, you know, 300 distributed employees. I mean, if you haven't thought it through, (laughs) if you don't have a way to corral to 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 provide an ecosystem where they can thrive together. It's. I mean you worked at Hollywood video you guys had remote locations all over the place. If you yeah. were not intentional as leaders, about, the whole system can go off the rails really fast.
0: oh and and it, it, almost immediately this is what I always say like like in, especially in a distributed workforce like that the, the employee always, will always win. Right, So this idea that you can control them, this idea that you can put policies and rules in place, uh, in, in, you, you want to see a store lose revenue and be destroyed in a matter of days? Oh, I, I've seen it. And that's yeah. why I've always tried to create a heroic environment where people feel valued and appreciated because I didn't think I could manage them with policies and rules. I needed to capture their heart and I needed <laughs> them to know that I was in it with them. Yeah. And yeah, I had well, to give yeah. as much of myself. And that's why sometimes I'd check into the hotel at eleven o'clock at night. And I'd be exhausted. Because I just I left it all in the stores. Right. And and, yeah, I, and I think it worked. I mean, because yeah. I, you know, I'd be a lot in Oklahoma, maybe one time in my life. So what do I do? Go into that store and not give them a hundred percent, 110% because you only get this one chance, right? And you got to capture right. them. And then, and, and here's a store that's in the middle of nowhere. And in fact, we got stopped on the track uh, on the freeway because the U S army was doing artillery practice and, and <laughs> they shut down the highway <laughs> for 30 minutes. And then we got to go to drive by and go to the store. It's crazy crazy place but yeah and then i walk in the store where you know they're i don't know i don't nobody's ever seen this store it's like the moon and uh it's perfect it's absolutely textbook but the store manager is so engaged and yeah. the store manager feels the ownership and the the store manager has all of my monday's thoughts hung on the wall in the off like like that's again, they're, they're always watching. They're always li- being intentional. Every, all these community they, I sent them a letter because they had top revenue, right? It's framed. It's a, fr- it's framed hanging in the office. I was blown away. Yeah. Of the, of the impact. And I'm in Portland, Oregon, and they're a lot, in, a lot in Oklahoma, which is the moon for yeah. all, for all <laughs> intents purposes, and, yeah. and those things matter. Yeah, I think right. uh, I you know the thing I take from you, Michael, and in, in our conversations, and I think why um you resonated with me so is I love that intentionality because I think that's I think that says so much about what we've talked about today, about leadership, about my own style, about my own model. Honestly, about the namesake of this podcast, I mean, I think if I was to say you would have loved Dave. Oh my god, you would have loved Dave. You you guys would have you very similar. Um and and for the audience, uh uh Mike is a very crisp and very uh well-appointed uh man. And um, uh, you know, look uh, the, the the has the right shoes. Uh that's what <laughs> mike has the right shoes (laughs) so and and that was the thing of dave 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 was probably one of the best dressed best most sharp uh individuals i've ever met in my life it's what i admired about him so much um he just it it, for the for the occasion right he always had the right Outfit for the Rite Aid. I don't know how he did it. I really don't, um, but he did. But I think you guys would have been. And, and that was something that Dave was really wonderful. He was very intentional. Yeah, intentionally in everything he did. When I when I when I think back on it, he's very intentional.
1: Hmm. Well, that, that's that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Well, you, you know what's you know what's fun has always been fun for me. Tim is is the further into these conversations that you and I go, um, every thing you've taken on or described for me that was a leadership opportunity for you or, you know, a learning experience that you have. There's so much, there's so much passion there that comes across from you. And, and honestly, I think as, as leaders, even if we have different styles, I think when you combine in that intentionality with a certain, with, with that ownership, like you've talked about ownership, that store manager you had, he was bought, that person was bought in right? They, they owned their, the outcome, they owned responsibility for that store. They also had passion, right? And I think when you, when you have, when you have people who have those kind of critical elements, ownership, passion, um, a willingness to build that trust with their team, right? Exhibit the right behavior, manifest the right behaviors on the ground. Uh, I actually think that those people create, uh, you know, you and I talked about this. It's like a spark and I think those those sparks create their own gravity. I mean, you really can see it when you have somebody in a role like that, and it's the right person, and they have those right uh, um, exhibit those right behaviors. That people are drawn to it, right? They really are. They're they're drawn to it in a way that's compelling. They're inspired, right? It's that you know, let your own light shine, and it gives everybody else permission to do it. As well, I, I I think those sparks and and if you can fan those flames, um, you know, as leaders, we ought to be looking for those people all the time, right and and uh, and leaning in on that and and uh, and I just love your passion because you're that way. like I get more Tim and less of everybody else, you know, from my perspective because you have that passion, right? And it didn't matter if you were, you know working with executives at the home office or you were out in the field with your team. you have that same passion. All the time, and and that's and, and and it draws people in, and I just think that's you know I think that's underestimated when we talk about leadership.
0: Well, I've been very fortunate in my life. I've never had a job um, because I love what I do, and uh, I absolutely love what I do. I, and and being able to work with people, I used to think to myself, how lucky am I? I get to go into these million dollar video stores entertainment all over their exciting stores and work with these young managers and help them to build a career i mean how lucky is that right yeah there were headaches and yeah there's all of that but day in and day out you got to look you got to and and you know i always love the ones that would like their store came first and and they would like, I'd be having a conversation, but something would be going on at the front and they'd go, excuse me. And they'd go up to take care of it. They didn't care if I was in there because <laughs> the store was what was important. They- had much ownership of it and yeah. you know they were always polite about it it was always it, but I used to just love that and you know the district managers would get a look on their face or the regional manager I'd be like no 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 this is beautiful go do your thing man doesn't matter that I'm here um uh, you know I I I'm such a, a so removed from this I just love watching the magic happen and when somebody has that much ownership. Mm-hmm. Who's a leader today? Who's somebody out there in the world? I mean there's you know there's so many but who's somebody you admire? Is there anybody yeah. that you follow? I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I I say his name a lot, but I, I really do like what he says. I think he's getting a little off track, but I really enjoyed, uh, I'm going to say early Simon Sinek. Okay. That's for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Sinek stuff. I think, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm fi- always find myself drawn to the people who are who are, who are visionaries and create and create um, um, a movement of their own. So, you know, you can, you can say what you want about Elon Musk and sort of, you know, what he's done with Twitter and how his, you know, what his politics are, but here's a guy who has never been bashful about saying, you know, I'm going to go do this and it's going to change the world. Right and and so Musk is one you know I think any of those guys the Steve Jobs of the world right I mean yep. Steve believed he was right and damn it he was going to drive as hard as he could to make it <laughs> to make it a reality and he did it you know and and so I think there's a um, I'm I'm drawn to those people I'm I was a historian by training in in college as an undergraduate and and so I'm a I'm a Churchillian um, uh, I'm a Churchill, Churchillophile. And you know the guy made a bunch of boneheaded choices during World War II, but he's regarded as arguably the greatest leader of the 20th century because he was able to galvanize people behind a vision of what they were going to do together, right? And and um, you know he was he was able to convince them that they were that they were going to do something remarkable. And then they did something remarkable. And then he reminded them, "Hey, we actually have done something remarkable, guys." Um, and so I think I'm, I'm drawn to those kind of leaders because it takes a tremendous amount of courage to be that spark that draws in masses of people, right? to to, to and, and to make manifest something in, real in the world. I mean, there was math. You know, <laughs> mathematically, there was no way the Brits win. And they won. Right. Oh. right. I mean, there was no way. Right. And, you know, I mean, you look at Tesla, you know, I mean, that's a, he was going to change the world and guess what the autumn, not just the automotive world, but the entire world is fundamentally different from when that, when he, be- when he took that over and began that journey. And so, you know, I, you can say what you want about, you know, each of those, each of those leaders, everybody has flaws. Um, but the level of courage it takes to lean in and and really express um, that vision and and make it real—those are the people that I that I look to because because I understand the level of courage that it takes to do it. Right, you're gonna fifty percent of the people are gonna think you're a bonehead at least <laughs> along the way. So. Well,
0: you know, what I love about that is your courage to say it, you know, it's, it's unpopular to like Elon Musk right now, but you can't argue with what he's done. And we live in this crazy world where, you know, we can love what the person does, but if they like something that we don't like, then we have to hate them. And I don't, I never, I don't understand that. I grew up in a world where, you know, the democratic speaker of the house, Tip O'Neill had lunch every day with the president of the United States, who was a Republican, And they would have once a week, they would have a lunch and they would get along quite well. Yes, they completely opposed and had different philosophies on how to get things done and what were right for the country, but it didn't get personal. And somewhere in this world, we got so tick for tack personal and we literally have one issue people like, oh, you don't like that, so I must hate you. And I don't like everything Elon Musk does. I I do think he's an alien. I don't know. I think, you know, but I'm not going to argue with, you know, the biggest, most successful car companies in the world are chasing him. He's not chasing them. Right. Right. He started something and did it. And he's willing to say those things and to do those things because he believes it. And. You know, I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I don't agree with all everything he does. I uh, but I, I I even think changing Twitter to X and everybody's like, oh, he just have people not figured it out that he doesn't follow the rules. Yeah. Well, and he he kind of he kind of dances to his own drummer.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and again, you know, as you said, I, I, you know, I, I'm not wanting to hang out with Elon Musk. Right. I just, rec- you know, I, I met with an amazing entrepreneur this week who is, who is leading a, uh, electrified boat motor company oh. and right. And he has permission. He has permission to do that because of what happened with Tesla 10 years ago. Yes. Right. And, you know, I met with an entrepreneur who's doing stuff with grid level, battery systems for rural electrical co-ops, right? Neither of those groups are having a conversation about it without Tesla. Like he, that the whole, the, the whole world is different because of, of everybody has been given permission to do things differently. And, and I love that. Right. And, and so, you, you know, you can say what you want about his, his personal choices, <laughs> but, but he was, but his, his courage has, has, he's changed the world.
0: He has changed the world and, and he's right. provided that leadership. And oh, I, I, I admire your courage to say it. I, you know, I think it's great. I, I and I, I love, and I, I look forward to the day when we can get back to, you know, under be, being connected without having to be in a hundred percent agreement.
1: Yeah. No, I, 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 I love, I actually love, um, you know, I think as leaders we have to we have to be open to diverse viewpoints and opinions right and and I I had a, I had an amazing conversation with a, an inclusiveness consultant mm-hmm. um and he's he's based in Texas he doesn't he doesn't talk about diversity he doesn't like the term diversity because in his perspective and he's and he's a super successful African American CEO he's amazing he's an amazing guy um and he, he hates the word diversity because diversity is just a metric to him, right? And what he wants to see is inclusiveness, right? Where we behave, um, it was like somebody was talking to me, they were comparing cities and it, one of the cities was diverse and the other one was cosmopolitan. And the difference in the eyes of that person was cosmopolitan is all of those communities have found a way to successfully live together and thrive. And diversity is just, we got a whole lot of different people that are together, but they actually aren't living together. They aren't actually being successful, right? And so I just love that distinction of inclusiveness, right? And so as leaders, if we really want to have amazingly successful organizations, and it doesn't matter what business you're in, we better find a way to be inclusive, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? Because, you know, Great, we can check all these boxes, but on the ground, if group A doesn't work with group B, because they don't feel like there's trust there, that they're empowered to do so, that the that the ideas of one are not valid against the ideas of the other, we got a big problem, right?
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely.
1: And so, anyway, I just loved, I love Jim's perspective when he said, stop talking to me about diversity. (laughs) It's about inclusiveness. Like, how do we, how do we all get along, right? We can disagree. I mean, how many times in a professional environment have you worked with somebody that, you know, you, you, you might not even have respected them, but you found a way to work with that person to accomplish something remarkable. I mean, my career is littered with that you know yeah nah, do, do I want to go out and have a glass of wine with the person after work absolutely not but guess what we found a way to disagree and still dominate together
0: yeah right? of and, course yeah of, of course and and I think that's where and we did it for 200 years in this country if you look at the founding fathers and some of the debates they had are even more contemporary than that Right. There was, of course, but people were able to work together because it didn't go to this personal level that I just think that we're muddled in right now that is really pivoting. And I I think that's what I love about Elon Musk is he's like, yeah, doesn't have to be my best friend, but he gets his, he can say what he wants to say, right? Like that kind of that, like, I don't agree with it, but he should be able to say what he wants to say because I always say the same thing. Look, it's all great when you're in favor of it, but wait till you're not. And right. right? And in the, in the, in the, the muzzles pointed at you and <laughs> I don't want to point muzzles. I, I right. will to be able to, I want to be
1: inclusive. Right. I love and, that. and I think, and I, and I think that the interesting thing about, and we could, I mean, this is a topic for several glasses of wine, but, but I think there's a, um, you know, there's this, this idea. I think people have a misconception about free speech, right? Free, free yes, you're allowed to say things. You're allowed to say what you want but you also have to live with the consequences. Sure. <laughs> that is sort of the basis of the whole thing. It doesn't mean that you get to do what you want without repercussion. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think that's another, that's a, like I said, that's a huge topic for another time. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's always, is it
0: free? <laughs> you know, be thoughtful. And, and I think, oh uh, gosh, bringing it full circle, be intentional.
1: Yeah. Be intentional.
0: Be, be, right. be intentional so so mike you would give um i mean i know we've directed people to your blog and there's lots of great information there but it, in just a sentence what would you give advice would you have such great experience and you've uh, i don't know what experience or what advice would you give a new executive who's starting today just somebody with, first thing, yeah. big executive role yeah, I, you know, I think
1: that it's it's funny. I was on a radio show years ago with a person who's now one of my best friends, and at the very end of this, he said, he throws out to me, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs? And unprompted, without thinking, I said ask for help. Um, and I and I think that's the biggest thing because I think um I think we all underestimate um the value of the wisdom of um of others. And I think we all, there's this assumption that we got the role or we have the opportunity and therefore we've sort of made it. Um, And I have, I, that has not been my experience. Every time I thought I was the person in the room who had the answer or the only answer, those are usually the moments where I, um, where I made, where I made a mistake. Right. And, and I, so I think ask for help, um, surround yourself with leaders who have done it before. Um, I love Simon Sinek has this thing that he says where he, he's, if you're as a leader, it's lonely. And so he has a posse of five people that he, that he commiserates with, right? Because as a leader, you can't always commiserate in, in the environment of your organization. And so, and and I had already, when I heard that I had already done it, I have five people in my life that are sort of my advisory council and they're everywhere from super successful you know fortune 50 executives with multiple liquidity be- events in their history to a, a really well renowned internationally recognized artist yep well, I have the whole i have the whole spectrum <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and very few times in my life that they all agreed but i still want their perspective because you know there's no telling which one of them is going to give me wise counsel and so I think that that would be my advice. And I think the earlier people start looking for those mentors and looking for those people that have gone before them, that know that may have some additional wisdom. Um, I, I just think it's an accelerator in anybody's career. I think it's a greater guarantee of success. Um, and that's that's what I would that's what I would say.
0: I just had this opportunity with some. Um... PhD students from OSHU and I said um, what I always tell them I had another opportunity with a bunch of kids from PSU who were going off and of course you know they look at my career and they go, oh, and then I, I tell them I don't have a degree And uh, they, I didn't I, I took a different path, right mm-hmm. and um, and they all like they're just so fascinated by it and I, I you know I, the one thing I always tell them is give more than you take. Because when I look at my career, the my career is it's you know it's not my height, it's not my good looks, it's not my intellect, it's not my education. I just was I just worked harder than anybody else. I was just willing to work hard, and I always gave more than I took. And I, I just believe that in in the world, I want to give more. Than I take away at the end of the day. When I when I finally, and that fine that final day comes, I hope that I gave more than I
1: took. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's interesting too, Tim, that you said. that. I, I I agree with you, and and I I aspire to do that as well. I think the, it's funny that I was having this conversation with my children, and I was saying, you know, the amount you invest in something is probably is directly proportional to how to how good you feel about participating. Right, and so, yeah. and so, I love that whole. I love the the, the way that you articulated that. Just give more. Um, you, you'll feel better about the engagement, no matter what it is, if you if you've given more than you've taken.
0: Yep, I, I just I think it's just a nice way to, and, and 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 there are certainly people out there who who live their life very contrary to that. But you know, I have a, a couple basic tenets. I give more than you take and uh, assume positive intent. You know, mm-hmm. I do a seminar called in- "Assume Positive Intent and Change the World." Uh, if we could just have the world begin to make that paradigm shift to assuming positive intent, because I don't believe anybody wakes up in the morning says they want to do a shitty job or they want to be mean. I just don't believe that. You know, f- by and large, ninety-nine percent of the people. Um, but I, I think that we 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 get influenced, and then we we get suspicious, and then we have we 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 don't assume positive intent. Um, I. Ad- this situation where I broke my own rule—I didn't assume positive intent—and I was all mad on the freeway. Well, as it turns out, the first car in front of me was having a medical emergency. They weren't the blah 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 blank and da da, da that I had yeah yeah uh, had called them <laughs> as as I was driving. <laughs> and had I just taken my own advice and paused for a minute and said, maybe they're having an issue. I should trade. Maybe I should try to help, you know, and I, and I think about my, you know, and I, 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 and I only share that because I know how hard it is to do, but it is something I think we should work on every day is trying to assume that positive intent. And that, that's a real basic one, but in everything that we do. Yeah. Um, So Mike, I've, I've taken a lot of your time, but one of the things that I like to ask people on this is, is, is there a memory or something? Because I think, for me, leadership is about emotion, and it's about making a difference. And it's not about more stock options or a bigger paycheck. Um, it really is that responsibility that we hold. And I know I know you cherish that um, and recognize that. But is there a, a time in your life or in your career, your companies, either when you're an entrepreneur or CEO, where your leadership profoundly impacted somebody's career or life? that you'd like to share.
1: Yeah, it, absolutely. And, and this one actually happened relatively recently. Um I was um I was building an organization and uh I came across I had a position open. It was one of the first roles that I was going to fill in in beginning to transform this organization. And uh and I I won't I won't disclose her name, but but uh she she was uh she, I put her resume. She was making a career transition. She'd been a te- she'd been an instructor for years. She had this amazing design background. Had been a, an, an amazing teacher and was making a, a, a career pivot. And um, and her, her resume was in my maybe pile. <laughs> <laughs> and so for whatever reason, I said I got a call. I just I'm fascinated with her background and brought her in. And you know, it, it just in the unleashing of her, she transformed the you know helped really redefine the entire organization there was a rebrand that happened with that was she was a huge piece of i mean the whole nine yards and she's now a a director leading i don't know 30 people at her next company and and honestly she said to me one of the nicest things that anybody that i've had a chance to lead said to me and and that was she said when we started this journey together you you created a vision that none of us believed was possible. And then together we did it. And I mean, she and, and both of us were actually quite emotional as she was saying this. I mm. mean, it's I, it, I just cherish that that comment. you know, and I just love that that you know, that that I was able to create a context for her to thrive. and she absolutely thrived. And not only that, the organization was successful. And then she took that and launched it and, and it did something remarkable in her career and she's loving it. And, and I think that was a, um, that's one of those, that's one of the cherished things, especially because most of the time you don't get a chance to have somebody share the impact that you've had on their life. And the fact that she was brave enough to come back after the fact and say, "Yeah, you know, this is how you impacted me. And, and by the way, here I go, <laughs> I'm going off to spectacularity, uh, you know, wish me luck. Um, it was awesome. It was, it was, it was just a fantastic moment for me. And, and obviously she's gone on to resounding success. So it's, a uh, um, that's it's probably the moment that I would, that I would lock on to.
0: It's your, uh, it's your Winston Churchill moment. You, the, the, you created that vision. <laughs>
1: that's it. I was Churchillian for that. You, were, uh,
0: you know, it's, it's, it is when they, when when people and when you make an impact on people's life it is uh, it's so humbling and and sometimes and 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 good on you for accepting it right like uh, that's a lesson i'm working on is is accepting gratitude uh i'm pretty good at giving it uh yeah. i'm really terrible at accepting it so so good on you for that and i think the advice there is you know hire for attitude and train for skill and you know, everybody out there listening right now, go take a look at your maybe list. Um, <laughs> because right? there's probably some real there's probably some real hidden gems in there.
1: Yeah, there's a whole podcast, Tim, around how to recruit how to recruit top talent <laughs> and what to look for, right? I mean, she she was inherently curious, and everything about her resume said I am curious. Was she perfectly positioned to do the job? Nope. But that curiosity transformed us. Her curiosity transformed us.
0: Yeah, I I, I I, it's for another podcast, but I have so many stories of people who I hired who did not the resume did not match up. Um, and, you know, they've been they would be kicked out of a system today, you know, with uh, but so many people that I've hired in my who just did not have this, but they have the attitude and and that's a uh, higher for attitude, train for skill, because there's some amazing people out there who can do some amazing things with the right leadership in the right, in my opinion, in a heroic environment, uh, you can create magic. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. 100%. Um, well, Mike, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing. Uh, thanks for being, you know, so open and, and, uh, and, uh, authentic with my audience. And, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed the time and, uh, enjoy every conversation we have. So I appreciate you being on the show, buddy.
1: Thanks for the, thanks for the opportunity, Tim. This is really fun. This is great.
0: Great. Well, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Take care of yourself.
1: All right. Take care, Tim. Take care. Bye.